Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Cult Film and Review. I am your host, Cody Everett. This week we are doing a special episode with a guest here. Hal's here, so we're going to talk to him about uh, his favorite cult movie, which is actually Peter Jackson's Bad Taste. Without any uh, other crap to say, let's start the show. We are back, or we're here. We're not even back from anything, but we're here. Uh, we're going to go over our weeks real quick. We have a special guest in the studio. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but first, I'll go over my uh, day. Your day today? Yeah. Hungover because of the party last night. It was someone's girlfriend's party last night. So we hungover. hungover. What time did you leave? I got home at like 2.30. Okay, that wasn't that bad. That's not that bad. Yeah. I thought you were maybe like this guy, Mike, over here who got home at like I, 5 I fucking heard that. I got home at like 2.30, woke up at 8, then got ready, went to work, was hung over the whole day, ate a bunch of McDonald's, which was a bad Terrible. choice. Oh, Why? What did you think that was going to do? I don't do? know. I have no idea. You just felt like shit and you wanted to just build up yeah, so much more. sodium to de- dehydrate yeah. you even more. <laughs> and, then yeah. even, and then even after that, as I'm driving home, I had to hit a nail because the hole is the perfect size for a nail. I got a flat tire on my right front tire and I had to have uh, the neighbor whose house I pulled in front of who's not my neighbor <laughs> somebody's neighbor yeah somebody's neighbor helped me uh, change my tire he's <laughs> a nice guy he was a really nice guy very helpful what was his name let's give him a I, he actually out. did not get his name is that you want to remain anonymous I did think about doing this though I did think about getting a card that says thank you and then just putting it on his door dear corner house. Well, that would good. be nice yeah yeah that's that's old school I nobody handwrites nice. anything anymore and I think yeah, that's right? important all right. All right. Uh, you should still type it up and then print it out and then put it on. Just so we yeah. stay with status quo. Okay. <laughs> Chris, how was your week? Uh, my week was uh, pretty good. I feel like I really became a man the past weekend. Nice. Uh, okay. Fine. About <laughs> time. Yeah, I'm right. glad it could happen the, on the show. The, but um, The boys have descended, huh? Now I, I, I decided that I um, was going to tear up all of my flooring single-handedly. And so I had to go rent a jackhammer, which I like put this metal plate on and just tore the whole thing up to the whole house is full of dust. Like I had to grind concrete. So I'm feeling pretty proud of myself. Not going to lie. <laughs> that was yeah. very impressive. Hey, a bunch, very of, impressive. bunch of oh, man stuff going on. The best part about it. The best part about it is now the whole downstairs is concrete. So I can ride my Ouija board skateboard around in the house. I was doing is that. that what actually, doing? I was doing that the other day yeah. over there. Hell yeah. When I was Mike, how was your week? Uh, good, I guess. I mean, I had to start watching. I've been watching that scream on MTV and writing reviews on our website for it. You're just um, regretting that decision? Yeah, it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not the best. It's not the best. I don't believe you'll have to read those reviews. Yeah, mm-hmm. you'll have to read to 
hear it, but I, I'm pretty I'm pretty soft on them though. How many more reviews are gonna do before you stop reviewing? Oh, I'm them? doing the whole show. Oh. We're recapping the whole show. You're putting yourself through that? Yeah, I'm gonna oh. do it. I like uh, torture. That's so terrible. that's what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, Kyle, how was your week? Uh, my week was good, actually. Uh, very uneventful for the most part. Um, yeah, no, nothing happened at all to me this week. It was nice. It was oh. a nice change of pace. Okay, nothing happened I'd to rather you. not have shit going on. All right, like, and now it's time for our special guest, Hal Estelle. Hal Estelle, how was your week? Well, I'm sitting here in a room full of film people, and I'm the guy doing film things this week. Yeah. So, so yeah. it was True. great. I was in San Diego <laughs> for the weekend screening short films at a convention, Westacom. Okay, so um, you do you pick the movies, or you you were just doing the screenings for? You were just hosting. Oh, I, I program uh, mini film festivals at local conventions around the Southwest. I started in Mesa, expanded down to Tucson. Now I'm doing San Diego. They just booked me for LA next year, so it's it's growing. Um, wow. Get people to see short films. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, how. what all do you do? Where can people find you at? Where can they look up your stuff? Like, let, let, Let's let the people know. Um, well, I'm Hal Estelle. Mostly I'm a film critic. I write at Apocalypse Later, which is my site. And that's the reviews of the films that most people don't review. I also write book reviews for The Nameless Zine. I do film festival coverage for Nerdvana. And I also program these mini film festivals, which uh, keeps me busy when I'm not actually getting paid to work. So he's a real film critic, and we're yeah. not. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, awesome. Well, we're happy to have you on the show. No, I'm Definitely. yeah, very yeah. excited for about having this. Me. Mm-hmm. Very excited to talk about Peter Jackson's bad taste. Um, we're gonna get to that when we come right back. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. We'll be right back. <laughs> oh, I see the gruel is ready. Okay, Robert. Aren't I lucky? I got a chunky bit. All right, guys, and we are back. We are talking about Peter Jackson's bad taste. I am your host, Cody Everett. The normal group's in here, but we also have a special guest in Hal, who's an actual critic. For Apocalypse. <laughs> Better than us. He will be much more factual. How <laughs> yeah. picked pick this movie. Uh, it's called Bad Taste by Peter Jackson. I believe it, is it, it's his first film, correct? It's his first film to be released. He messed around on short films in his backyard from the age of eight. So it's his 12th film, but the first one anyone saw. Okay, the first one that anyone saw. So uh, I asked a question that we usually ask every week. What makes this a cult film? Uh, well, the audience always makes a cult film. That's what Roger Corman said. You, you can't make a cult film. The audience makes it for you. And to me, a cult film is one that lasts beyond its sell-by date. And Bad Taste was a very low-budget New Zealand horror movie that was really expected to get viewed a little, get some good response, and disappear. And I'm still watching it 20, 28 years later. I screened it at a convention last year. And it's still as fresh as ever to me. So that makes a cult film. Okay. Kyle, what do you think makes this a cult film? Uh, I think um, the gore of it. I think it's got a big... I think people follow that because of that. Like, people... I mean, I don't know. Okay, it's gore, but it's also... I think that the campiness and cheesiness... Because it is a short film... Or not short film, but it is a a small-budget film. It's Peter Jackson's, like you said, one of his first distributed ones. So... um, 
he, the fact that he plays multiple characters and multiple people play multiple characters, it just it's just fun to watch and sit down. It's a fun film. Is is really? I don't think I, I think Hal said it was like it was meant to disappear, but it's so enjoyable. Like why why would you stop watching this movie? Okay. No. Mike, what do you think makes this a cult film? I, I gotta agree with Hal with the audience thing. I, although I do have one question: How much did Lord of the Rings, when he started like hitting the mainstream, how much did that affect this film? Did people just go out and try to find everything this guy's done, or did it have a resurgence? I guess should I ask? I, I'm not sure it had a resurgence. Maybe some more people found it, but it's it's kept an audience through the years. Oh, for certain, yeah. Um, but there was a page on the the One Ring dot net covering bad taste with some interviews and some talk about how he's always wanted to go back and do a sequel mm-hmm. and uh, that's all disappeared so i think the the outcome of lord of the rings is hey this is big budget cool stuff let's get get rid of all that old stuff let's not talk about that anymore really <laughs> oh, no. if he did a sequel i would i would i would have to require him to use the same camera <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> definitely all right chris what makes this a cold film for you i just think it's so outrageous you know it's just um it has it has so many things that we've uh since discussed like since we started the show which is the blend of comedy and horror and the over the top um acting the just like the violence but also like the creativity and i think with this one it's the do-it-yourself feel that it has but it's so effective and it's so fun that that I think that's what's helped carry it. And I think it's actually when I watched it, I felt inspired as a filmmaker because I was like, wow, this guy is, must be a ge- He's a genius to think of how to do all this stuff on such a small budget. And I think, you know, people kind of realize that going forward and um, that this guy had a vision and a style and it wasn't going to stop for anybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the cool thing, I, the thing I like, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead to other no, go topics, ahead, go ahead. but that I... I could see I could see a potential filmmaker in this movie. I could but see just like the amount of crane and sweeping shots that he used for in such a sh- like a shoestring budget was it, it just had so much production value and so much um, professionalism that went into the the making of it. Like it was wonderful. The beauty of it is he made all of that equipment for himself. He didn't go. It wasn't like we can or, like order a crane online right now. He went and yeah. built it in his garage out of wood and steel and like it's fantastic. That is, I mean, that's even beyond. That's. I felt. I don't know if this had any kind of influence at all. Hal, maybe you, maybe you know, but um, it says he was inspired by Tom Savini. I read that somewhere, but I felt a lot of Sam Raimi. In his in his approach to filmmaking, Little Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's definitely a fan of, of Sam Raimi and Evil Dead. Um, he talked about that sort of thing with when he did Brain Dead, which you know is Dead Alive, mm. because the comparison with the amount of blood used uh, was to Evil Dead. Um, sorry, Evil Dead Two, I think. Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, he's a Sam Raimi fan. He's a fan of all sorts of stuff. I think the biggest influence was. Um, uh, there was a movie called I think it was Dead End Drive In that started the New New Zealand. Uh, gore uh, sort of movement that's still going, you know, it's where Black Sheep comes from and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, Tom Savini is an acknowledged influence. And, and there's some others. I mean, if you watch carefully at the beginning, um, there's a few references to Castle Rock just sitting in the background, which is where Stephen King sets all his, most of his stories. Uh, there's little little nods here and there throughout. Hmm. I was wondering, actually, what the, that Castle Rock was from, actually, when I saw that. I was like... I know that, but I don't know why I know that. Yeah, Castle Rock, Stephen King, but Kaihara, the name of the town that it's set in, is made up. That's uh, It's Maori for fast food. 
Oh. Ah. <laughs> Which sense. makes sense if you've seen That's the awesome. movie. Alien yeah. fast food. Yeah. <laughs> so what I think uh, makes this a cult film, and, and maybe you know some people might disagree with this, but when I was watching it, the way I felt, I was like, oh my god, this is a New Zealand trauma movie. Yeah, <laughs> like that's yeah. exactly how I felt. I was like, "This is a New Zealand trauma movie." Like they literally, it has so many trauma elements to it. I think it's stylistically and the way it, yeah, like visually, it is better. The, the film quality is it, better. I think it's better, but it still has it, it has the charm. Yeah, and go. with like the like the goofy like you know voices and like from like the henchmen and stuff like that. So yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, yeah, it's um. I don't know. I, I I think that's where it is it, for me. Is like that's kind of what I, I was like. I was like, oh, this is kind of like a trauma movie. Pretty much. I yeah. Think it, it, the only thing it's missing is that sexual exploitation that's used in trauma so much. I think that's there's like no women in this. Yeah, film. I was just saying, is there a woman in this? <laughs> there's film? like not I one. Don't think so. There's, there's one in the background. Right. There, there are women in the film. They are playing uh, faceless aliens, so you can't tell. Other than that, you've got a voice at the beginning and a picture of the queen right mm, at the I very love beginning. That. Right there, yep. yep. <laughs> Man. Yeah, so that's what I think makes it a cult film, um, you know. And I definitely can going going back to your point a little bit because I w- I did want to talk about this. Um, what I found with it that was a little hard for me and enjoyable at the same time was I found it to be a medley of filmmaking in the sense that you can tell Peter Jackson was learning and he was evolving as the movie goes on. Uh, but it also has that it's weird because it also has that you know made at home feel it almost feels yeah. it, sometimes it feels like almost like a like a high school kid made it but then other times you're like holy crap well <laughs> like, the movie was shot over the course of four years yeah, so four imagine years. how much how many skills he developed or found out about and he tried out and executed oh like, yeah and and some of it literally was made at home the alien heads are the shape they are because the he baked them in his mother's oven he literally kicked his parents out of the kitchen, said, I'm taking over, I'm making these heads, and they had to be angled the way they were, the size they were, because that's the shape of the oven. Wow. <laughs> that's so cool. That's funny. I like that he didn't let anything stand in his way. You know, it was, he had an idea, and four years, come on, that's a huge commitment to make a film that might not have been widely accepted. I mean, oh, that yeah. that was a risk, because that kind of... Um, gore and that style of filmmaking and everything was, I feel, still kind of fresh. People weren't used to that. And he adapted. Um, the, the, the original lead is the collector who comes to town and, and he's, you know, waylaid by these, uh, I think they were supposed to be cannibals originally and became the aliens. Um, the actor that played him married, during the shooting of the film, married a devout Christian woman who didn't like him shooting on Sundays. And they were shooting on weekends for four years. Mm-hmm. So he was uh, moved down to be a small supporting role rather than the lead and then bumped back up again when he divorced the lady still through, you know, during the course <laughs> of filming. So he got married and divorced while they were making this movie. He was more dedicated to the movie than he was her. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right now, we're going to talk about the story of the movie uh, in case you haven't watched it yet. So we're going to tell you about it. Uh, it's it's basically uh, Peter Jackson and his friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. 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 yeah none, uh, none of these guys are actors. It, it's, it's literally his friends, people who were willing to work for free for uh, weekends for four years. And they're all, you know, government workers. They're photolithographers at a newspaper. You know, they're, they're, they're not actors. They're not film people in the slightest. That's just Peter Jackson. So but from what I got from it, they're like a special task force. 
The boys. The, yeah, the boys, which I love where they're like, send in, they're like, we need real men for this. Send, and it's, like, it's the boys button. Yeah. With, I like the one above it, mum. With and which the one is, above that says queen. Yeah. <laughs> which is, it also brings me to one of my favorite visuals in that movie. Instead of having a hook hand, oh it's my just God. a finger, <laughs> which is amazing. I've never seen that before. I'm so, so that really, I, like, brought, I forgot my notes, but actually the, the number one item on my, on my notes is hook, fuck it. Finger hand, that's what I want. Well, was like, that like a, a wax candle or something that he kept breaking? Because there was fingers busted off. Of no, it no, he was, there was a yeah, he was using to light his cigarettes. Right. What was the question I, I asked? Think, him? I think it was just a big joint. Did, he, like buy, did he buy? The, did he buy the wax candle before he lost his hand or after? That's the question I had. That's the question. <laughs> Everything is hand inspired. Band aid, a band aid, a cigarette to the tip of it. That's yeah. how you do it. So they send they send the boys in basically uh, for this alien invasion, and this alien invasion is happening because. Because uh, humans are the new uh, cow for the universe, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We're, t- we're a tasty. Tasty treat. Human That's flesh right. is a new taste sensation sweeping the galaxy. <laughs> Most so, Yablo's fried boob rat won't know what hit them. <laughs> <laughs> that speech is amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't think, like, that's the part where I laughed the hardest was during that speech. Mm. This shit of a planet or whatever. What's it? Oh, God, I can't remember the line exactly. But I just, I, I like, laughed. So I was at work watching it, and I laughed so hard. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. They're like, oh, I was like, oh, people were probably like, what's he doing? But not working. Yeah, not working. That's true. I was hungover. Did Did you notice the name of the department they worked for? AIDS. Yep. It was AIDS. AIDS. The AIDS. Alien Investigative and Defense Service. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was what? Bread. There was bread also. There's a lot of acronyms. Oh, yeah. In this movie, I noticed that. Yeah, that's the collector who's coming. He's he's into town. The the town's emptied basically, uh, and they're coming in to find out why. And uh, this collector's the only other person there. He's come in to collect money, uh, presumably as a scam because you know he 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 has to slip a fake uh, dog collar on to, to yeah. impress people. But um, you know, so he's in danger, and they've got to they've got to take care of business. Here's here's my question for you guys as as far as the story goes. Because a part of me through the throughout the story was thinking, did, was this an expanded short film? Do you think? Yes, it, it started out they were going to do a short film for uh, the Wellington Film Fest. It was going to be like ten minutes or twenty minutes, depending on which interview you read. And then they started shooting it, and when they hit fifty minutes, they realized this was going to be a feature. And I think that's the point. He reached out to get a grant from the New Zealand Film Commission to actually put some money into it and uh, and and finish it up at, at feature length. Yeah, because the, the, that's the one thing I kind of noticed about the story. I was like, well, there's not too much dialogue. Would there? But also, what I think is probably their their greatest weakness in this film because they don't have real actors. So well, that, that too, and like the lack of uh, sync sound too. So yeah, less, less dialogue, better. Yeah, in that situation. I feel like the dialogue grew as the film went on. Like in the beginning, it was just oh, kind of a lot of fighting and like fighting off these aliens, and then it eventually grew into more, um, more dialogue, more comedy. Really, like as far as how they were communicating <clears throat> with each other and like all the scenarios that were going on. Speaking of uh, fighting off the aliens, can we talk about that first? That first chase. Can we call it? Can we call that a chase? Sure. Yeah. Peter Jackson, no. or, or I'm sorry, uh, 
Barry, one of the whoever I forgot the guy was playing Barry. He just seemed mildly annoyed. Yeah, just by a little. The whole time he's just kind of like, ah. Oh. And they're both going at Jason Voorhees speed. Yeah. not really. <laughs> I think it was slower than Jason. He might have been laughing yeah. him at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's where they joke about he, you know, he could be Ministry of Works, but no, he's moving too fast, and he's he's moving at snail's pace. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, the lookout of the, at the top of, I'm guessing, is a, like a mountain or a hill? I've never been yeah, to New Zealand. Yeah, so. that's Derek. Top, yeah, of Derek. The, top of the cliff. Derek, Derek's character is also where I get a little confused. Uh, I like Derek's character. Probably, and I'm skipping ahead on this one, probably my favorite character. He makes me laugh so hard, especially yeah. with the Uzi when he's just like, and he's like making the noises for it as it's shooting, which is, I don't know, I just find that was that hilarious. But I was confused. Which is Peter Jackson, right? Yeah, that's Peter Jackson. Yeah. 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 He's and unrecognizable from the uh, right-hand man, I guess. It would be the alien right-hand man. He's in the most, I would think. Yeah, the, the I don't know, the retarded the alien. alien. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, he, he actually fights himself on top of a cliff. This is, this is a low-budget independent movie, and the ambition just leaps out of the screen. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Well, let me fight myself on top of a cliff and kick myself off. Well, Jesus, fighting <laughs> yeah. on top of a cliff. I was like, how are these people staying on the yeah. edge here? This is, like, really dangerous. Like, how the shots, like, the cameras, the, the small spaces, they were just Falling like all over the place. How did somebody not die? Yeah, I gotta, th- I gotta, I gotta imagine it had to be like trick photography. Like the, the cliff wasn't that steep, but just looking at it, I was like, really? You want me? Like if I was an actor, it'd be like, and the dude's like slipping, going down when he's gonna go interrogate. He like slips. It's like holy shit. Like, well, the way he's trying to keep his balance, I think it leads me to believe that they just angled the camera in such a way that it made it look like you were going straight, but it, it could have been shot like yeah. directly ahead. Like, it, 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 it worked, though. That's the yeah. important thing. It really is a cliff. They really are oh, really? at the top. It isn't quite as steep as it looks. Okay. They did they did shoot very carefully, but but it's still a cliff, you know. <laughs> They're messing around <laughs> on the top with fight scenes, yeah. Yeah, and wow. then, which that... See those that opening scene in that in that in that set too has like two of my favorite um has like two of my favorite effects in in the movie um the the sword knife in the foot with the hammer <laughs> holy crap that made me cringe that was like I actually thought about that and I was like oh god I don't think I I I will. I would not be okay. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm like here's what you need I to know I wouldn't be bro. frightened yeah here's what you need to know okay we're aliens. Like we're here to eat you. <laughs> I would have told him everything. <laughs> and then the other, my other favorite effect is actually Derek falling off the cliff, and that dummy just in like the seating position, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. rolling down the cliff the whole time. So good. I thought it actually looked convincing. It did. It did at first, and then it, like it, as it keeps fo- following it, as it gets like lower and lower down the cliff, it, it starts looking kind of bad. But I mean, yeah. for the first part of it, I was like, this looks really good. This, this dummy good actually cut. looks really good. Yeah. And then Derek, who I thought died, <laughs> fucking exploded. That's when my that's my favorite that's... effect because that one made me cringe the most. Like, so like Derek after falling off the cliff, he like comes to when the back of his head is cracked open on a flap, on yeah. a perfect <laughs> triangle shaped flap, basically long like long weird flap. Yeah. yeah, and like his brain has fallen out, so he picks it up off the ground and pushes it back in, and then. At one point, he's wearing a hat to keep the flap closed, <laughs> and then he's got a belt. Like I thought that effect made me cringe the most, and it looked like the most convincing. Throughout the movie, just kept stuffing more brains yeah. back in. <laughs> yeah, and eventually he ends up adding alien brains just for good measure, because he's really not all there at that point. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. 
I like when the flap fell open. He like he just he just hit the ground. He was like out. Yeah, I loved I love that th- that effect, and I had to to watch that a number of times to see what he did. But they they had him fall backwards from you know top to bottom, but they had the camera low to high, so it looks like he just snaps in half or something as he mm-hmm. falls. It was really well shot. I got a question about Derek. Do you guys think that Derek is insane? After the fall or before? Even before. It, doesn't it seem like he's enjoying killing He has a, a quite personality a yeah. uh, problem. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Problem. Even his own team call him a dork, you know. <laughs> Christ, what a dork. How'd he get in this team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah he, he's probably one of my favorite characters. And as the story goes on, you're introduced to t- two more characters who are in a badass Ford. That is the Ford? That is the... Yeah. Okay. It's a Mustang, the, I'm a, sure, No, right? it's a Ford Falcon, it's a, it's right? It's a, a Ford Capri, I think. I thought I thought that was Mad Max's car because Mad Max had a Falcon. It looks, it looks pretty damn cool. It's not like a Capri, I remember, but that's what they call it in in uh, in interviews. And those dudes are sitting in the car for like the first half of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they just they just happen to stop and they're just chilling yeah. out. Like and I, I love the, the instructions of like, how far are you out? We're five miles out. Just stay there. Yeah. <laughs> just stay there. I'm gonna check out with. The, don't give me any backup. <laughs> that is, that is the one weird thing that for a crack team of manly men that go in and take care of business. They sure are, like, pretty disheveled in terms of, like, how they run things. <laughs> yeah, just stay there five miles out reading Soldier of 14. Yeah. 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 <laughs> My other favorite part of, uh, of the movie that I, I actually really enjoy is the shoes. Am I weird in that? Like, I felt the like shoes? the shoes are kind of a focal point of the movie. What shoes? Like, everybody's wearing tennis shoes, and they bring up several times about their tennis shoes and, like, getting them dirty. Like, I think when, when they mop up the blood... From when oh, they sneak yeah. into the house, they they mention it, and like it's just so funny because they're like, we we got to get undercover, and like everything is like bulletproof vest, hoodie, blacked out pants, blacked out shirt, tennis shoes, not like <laughs> not, not like army boots or tactical <laughs> shoes, tennis shoes. Like I don't know I, that for some reason that stuck with yeah, me. That's I don't know good. I didn't know that's weird. Really you bad. didn't really notice that? Not I noticed. Really. I did notice I, everybody's slipping all the time. Yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> notice at the end when the guy had like his pants tucked into his socks that were in tennis shoes i remember that part because that was because he was in like the special forces gear and they like panned down to make it a point to show you that i don't remember that i don't know maybe it was some kind of weird thing that peter jackson was trying to say (laughs) about tennis shoes (laughs) yeah if you're gonna do it do it in your tennis shoes that's what it is (laughs) we shot this whole movie in our tennis shoes do it, do it in your tension. I'm going to have to watch the rest of his early films now and see if that's a theme because the, yeah. the Morris Minor is a theme. You know, he, he uses that in every single film up to, I guess, Lord of the Rings because they couldn't do it in that. Mm-hmm. A <laughs> little bit anachronistic yeah, for yeah. Tolkien. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, speaking of the director, let's just go into it. Peter Jackson. Um, you know, I, I think with this movie, this movie, I think, can prove to a lot of people that, yeah, I know he can, he can do something bigger and better if we give him the right tools. Because, I, honestly, what he did on his own is just flat-out amazing. Yeah. It's just flat-out amazing. So I, I'm sure people were just, like, foaming at the mouth to go, let's give this guy money and, and equipment yeah, and a real you got, team. You got to think that, like, at what, the first screeners, if there's any, any you know, big wig movie you know, people there, they had to think, like, if there were screeners, I mean... Well, I the know. the premiere was at Cannes. Okay, In so. the market at Cannes, and it sold to ten markets in six days or something. So, yeah, big wigs were there looking to give money to them. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, like, uh, we touched on this when we were uh, during the break, but um, the, the, the end scene with the house, when the house is, like, lifting up and stuff, like, like, I knew it was a model, but the way it was shot was just so... 
impressive. Like I kept thinking like, wait, is that a model? How the hell did they pull this off? Like in to be able to do that when basically no budget and doing it all yourself. I mean, it's a sign of somebody who knows what they're doing. Oh, just and, and speaking of like just the the shot where he shoots the 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 RPG at the house and it blows oh, yeah. the side of the house. Dude, that shot's so awesome. I don't think I can remember another film, except for maybe Punisher Warzone, which I don't know which one's better, <laughs> uh, that has like a full on where you see, you know, the rocket shoot out and actually hit the, like, actually go and it. it doesn't cut to like a, a side cut of the rocket or, no, or something it was like a that. one take. It's a one yeah. take straight to the house, blow it up. Awesome looking. I was so, like, impressed by that. It was crazy. I thought all the explosions were great. Even the sheep that blew up. <laughs> yes. I think so it's the best, so the best explosion. <laughs> yeah, the so only good. one that's disappointing is the car. He wanted a bigger explosion, but that was a one take. You know, they didn't have another car yeah. ready to go. Sure. Which yeah. it was a relatively big explosion, I would have to say, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was okay <laughs> with it. By standards, I'm like, that's that's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, that rocket, it's, uh, they you know, the, the, the we- none of the weapons are real. Not one rep- weapon is real. He made them out of um, you know, uh, aluminium tubes and plasticine, basically, and a bit of wood to put the uh, the clips in. The um, the rocket that fires that's on a fishing line. Yeah. Okay. And then it hits a model of the house because you know it's a historic homestead. They couldn't blow that up. <laughs> they, they built a five meter tall model of that part of the house to to explode. Yeah, I just lo- I just love the way that was shot. Like, I just thought it was. I don't know. Well, even the creativity, like, there's another time where he shoots a rocket and, like, goes through a hole cut in the house and then <laughs> yes. back out the other side. And I think maybe that's when it hits the sheep. That's when it hits the sheep. Yep. It's just, like, so clever and creative. It's like, who would think to do that? I love that yeah. Well, that's, creativity. that's the other influence, I think. Obviously, people see this as a, as a horror movie. There's so much outrageous gore. But it's, uh, it's really a comedy. And, you know, the whole Monty Python thing, I'm sure the sheep came from Monty Python. Mm-hmm. There's so much yeah. Python humor in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree with that. I also, um, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I think that with with Peter Jackson and and, and what he was doing with this film and, and taking four years to make it and stuff like that, it's obviously a labor of love, and you can see it in the in the film. You can also see, um, I saw elements of like Lord of the Rings in this that he used from this film. You can tell there's there's camera movements and stuff like that that he used in Lord of the Rings for this in this movie. One of the things I love about Peter Jackson is he went on to even do film. Like you go and you watch Dead Alive after you watch this movie, and it's like he really didn't change as a director at all. He did the exact same kind of stuff with Dead Alive that he did in this film, but he had way more money and a bigger budget and better cast to do it with. And he continued to kind of go that route. I'm a little confused as to how he moved into the Lord of the Rings because a lot of like I know he did Heavenly Creatures, which is more of a drama. Mm-hmm. Mimic also. He did Mimic also, which he hated. Mimic? Believe, right? he no, that. that was Guillermo del Toro. Oh, that was, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. confusing my two favorite foreign directors. He did The Frighteners, <laughs> which is kind of a still that horror comedy element. I love that Outrageous, movie. <laughs> like Dead Alive, I love. I mean, I, I, that's, I don't know. I saw, so well, much, I saw so much of him in all of his films leading up to Lord of the Rings, honestly. He's a fan. Um, more than anything else, he's a fan. So you look at something like King Kong, that's the most expensive fan film ever made. He made that film because the spider sequence doesn't exist. It's lost. So he made a $300 million movie just so he could recreate the lost sequence. He's a fan. Um, When you look at his early, um, you know, Bolex shorts that have never been released, he did a lot of war stuff. Um, You know, he got down in the pits with his friends shooting each other in in a sort of a war setting. 
and horror just happened to be a, a market that was easily saleable. So really the comedy is the, the thing that, that runs through. The horror isn't. It's just what's sold. And when you work through all of his, um, his output, it's all fan stuff. You know, Lord of the Rings, he's a Tolkien fan. He wants to see these films. Nobody else made them the way they should be made, so he did. Same with King Kong. I am curious if he ever goes back to that, though. He said in interviews that, that he would like to go back and make, you know, something low budget again. I mean, he mm -hmm. said, I don't know what the budgets are for, for Lord of the Rings but, and the Hobbit oh, movies, but they're huge. pretty damn huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he wants to go back and do something it's really low thing. budget. He said so in interviews. It's different than, like, a, say, Sam Raimi, who has gone back. I mean, he's done, like, a simple plan, which is completely different than Evil Dead, and then he goes right back and he does, what is it, uh, Drag, Drag Me, me to, to Hell, which is kind of like just Evil Dead, really. Yeah. Well, Sam Raimi realized he lost his soul. I don't want to you know, really bypass, but I, I watched an interview with Sam Raimi at the time of Intruder. So he'd done Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. And he was talking about um, money. And mm -hmm. when you're a low-budget filmmaker and you don't have any, you've got to, if you want somebody to hover outside the window, you've got to come up with some really ingenious way to do it. But when, you've, you, when you're in Hollywood, you've got a big budget, you just ask how much an anti-gravity disc costs. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> quote, that, that's exactly what he said. And, and you fast forward 10 years from there, and he's modeling every grain of sand in Spider-Man 3 for that whole monster sequence. And he, he just completely lost his soul. So he realized he had to go back to his roots. I don't think Jackson did. I think he's still still being a fan and making the films he wants to see. But I think the the, the sheer scale that he's worked out, and you don't really get any bigger scale than The Lord of the Rings. Mm. He wants to go back and do something personal and fun and you know, I don't, low budget. I don't blame him. How long has he been working on The Lord of the Rings movies? Half his life? Oh, yeah. yeah well, like, all the Hobbits now, too. Yeah, you that's know. what I'm saying. Like, it's, he's, he's, he, I mean, he's put so much time into those. I, I can understand wanting to go and do something else, especially at a lower budget, too. Like... So much responsibility on you for those those six movies. Yeah. I do have to fault him for the Hobbit thing, though. He turned a book, one book, into three films. <laughs> well, that's Hollywood, Hollywood that's Hollywood dick move. Yeah. Right you, know missing, you know what was missing? They didn't have any legless, and he had to bring it in there. <laughs> Got to bring in the balloon, dude. Got to bring in the balloon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about favorite characters. Uh, Kyle, do you have a favorite character? Derek, easily. Yeah, Derek. Okay. I love when he like loses his mind and and he's like running around with a chainsaw. Yes. Like I love how that was in the back of that car. Like was that his car? Like I don't remember where that car came from actually. It, it never says, but we think it, it's his uh, or certainly it belongs just, to the team. Even though it's got to be his because you got the whole Sergeant Pepper standing up in the front. I mean, it's <laughs> that so, so fucking that? funny. Oh so good. I mean, they're driving. Yeah, That's they're what driving. It looks like. Is that like a <laughs> so decoy? Like, yeah. Okay. That yeah. was so. I had a double take on that, like, because I, I think I glanced down at my phone because I was making notes, and <laughs> as I looked up, I like, did I just see John Lennon? Like, what am I watching <laughs> like right such, now? It's always a flash. What? <laughs> I know the blood splatter with like their faces is really good when it, he's wiping off the window. Oh yeah, so oh, good. Yeah, after after he mows down yeah. the uh, mm -hmm. dude in the forest and that giant chunk of intestine hit the hood and stuff. He's just a great character. He's he's funny. He's bizarre and it's and just the whole the whole gimmick of him always messing with the piece of brain trying to get the piece of brain back in his head it was just it was entertaining the whole time uh, the belt around the head yeah the belt mm -hmm. around the head is one of my favorites just. yeah totally rambo yeah yeah exactly mike favorite character uh yeah i'm gonna say with derek too one, because he's a member of a Gryffindor, that's for sure. Oh my god, I have it in my notes. I'm like, is he? Was is that where Harry Potter got the the scarf from? I don't know, but um, the other thing I really like about his character is that there's kind of like a dichotomy that occurs where he becomes the predator, <laughs> like he's yeah, the no, he dangerous does. thing in the house, 
not the aliens anymore, and I like that about that character. He kind of goes off as being this meek, you think he's a meek nerd. He's yeah. the scientist, he's the geek, and he's not going to be able to handle himself. Then you learn he has a bloodlust, and then you learn that when he breaks his head open, it just gets magnified by 100, and he becomes a force of nature. And that's when the boys leave the house. Yeah, oh, yeah they, they know. It's not because it's taking off, it's not because there's aliens, it's, holy shit, it's Derek, he's gone apeshit. And I'm, <laughs> wondering, I'm, I'm wondering if he would have went after them, too. Maybe. It's just everyone's fair game. Oh, no, I think he would have, actually. I think he was that... At that point, that's why he was crazy. That's why they're like, we got to get out of here because yeah. like, we've never seen him <laughs> like this before. And he cut his because the time, like, why wouldn't you just cut a square in the wall? No, <laughs> like, he cuts out his body. Perfect <laughs> outline so much, of him yeah. holding the chainsaw with, with so chainsaw. Yes. I mean, it, yeah, if it doesn't work out, alien killing doesn't work out. Ice sculpting, was, yeah, the is same. definitely in his future. <laughs> same reason you would do a fucking swan dive into uh, an alien and cut through his entire body. I think, I think that was like a, come out his ass. <laughs> I'm <laughs> born again. That's such a great line. I think, I think it was like that was like a throw up to like Looney Tunes. I felt like the whole cutting out like of oh the outline. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of it is, I think a lot of this movie, I mean, there's so much slapstick, especially in the beginning. There's a lot of slipping around. I actually, originally I had a note when I first started watching it. I, like, I love how no one's a badass. But then they kind of become badasses. Yeah. And they're crack shots. Rock crack oh, shots. fantastic One bullet, shots. done. John Wick style. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Chris, favorite character? Um, my favorite character is uh, going to go to Lord Crumb. Is that his name? The uh, the main alien boss. The, the alien boss. Yeah, we Lord Crumb is the the. We, we think he's Lord Crumb, but Lord Crumb's the head of the company. If he is, I'm not sure. Okay, but well, he, he goes by. I guess it's Lord Crumb. Alien boss. Yeah. We'll call him. I loved him. I thought he was great. I, I love that whole scene where he's standing at the top of the stairs and all the aliens are standing around listening to his great plan. And then they start, then Der <laughs> uh, not Derek, but the, uh, the alien version of Peter Jackson pukes bright green vomit into a bowl and then they pass it around and all drink from it. Oh, the, the gruel. gruel is ready. Yeah, the, the, gruel. the gruel, exquisite bouquet, Robert. That whole scene is just <laughs> awesome, and I love how evil he is, and even the voice that they used for him. I don't know if that was the actor's actual voice, but it's actually not the actor because the actor died in post production. They had to uh, dub somebody else to do the voice. It worked out. I mean, it just made him yeah. seem so creepy mm -hmm. and slimy and sinister. So I loved him. Hal, who's your favorite character? I'm, I'm going for Robert, which is the Peter Jackson alien character. Yes. I, he never speaks in the entire movie. He's he's some sort of alien retard, and I just love him. He, you know, my my favorite bit with him is is I mean the gruel's amazing, but where he uh, the, the collector comes upon him in the middle of nowhere, and he just hides the body that he's been eating the brains out of <laughs> and threatens him with a knife. It's like, keep away from my lunch. Doesn't he, like, scoop it it. Does like he stand cream. the spoon up in, in, in yeah, the head? In the and head. Then put... <laughs> it's like prison rules. <laughs> so elbows are all yeah. guarded. I would, yeah, I would have to say my favorite character is, is Derek, like I mentioned earlier. I just thought like that he made me laugh so hard. Like... Just his lines, the way he, like he did stuff was just uh, it was this funny. The way the character transformed, though, that's like I think that yeah. was the that was the best part about it. Because I was really sad actually at the beginning if I when I thought he was gonna fall off the cliff. Actually, when when he was start when the fight began, and I was like, crap, they're gonna kill this guy off right off the bat. I'm like kind of enjoying his his quirky personality, and then he like he starts holding his own, and it's like, oh shit, okay, he's gonna make it, and then he finally does fall. I was I was like just like devastated. 
I was devastated I lost Derek. Now, does anyone, like, it's kind of hard to pinpoint this, I think, because there's just, there's really such a small cast. Is there a least favorite character? I don't really think there is because the cast is all... Barry's a terrible actor, whoever yeah, that is. he's really bad. God awful. Oh, they're, they're all horrible actors. Yeah. They, they'd be the first. <laughs> they'd agree with you on that. The Collector was my least favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. Every time he was on screen, I was just like, ah, uh, bored or something. Or not really, I wouldn't say bored, just I wasn't like interested in him. Although, although the when you first reveal him sitting in a giant, you know, 50 gallon drum of stew, yeah. that was pretty funny. With mm-hmm. a, what was that, like a lemon in his mouth or like, mm-hmm. like taped into his yeah. mouth? <laughs> How is it? You're, you might be wondering why you're sitting in, what is it, like? In Reggie's 11 secret herbs and spices. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow we're having you for lunch. <laughs> That's the other thing, too. It's like, why do they eat the gruel? Because it's like they're there to get humans to eat for like because it's so delicious. They're like, yeah, we'll just eat. Gruel it's like here. it's like the honey. T- it's like honey to them. Yeah. I would imagine because that's essentially what it, honey is: is vomit, bug oh, vomit. What? They're like bees. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like bee, it's that. bee vomit. Yeah. Essentially, they, they regurgitate that out. I, I think you're digging deep on that one. <laughs> Look at this like Cold War moment. I'm not, I know. <laughs> I'm not going to challenge your knowledge of honey production, but. <laughs> They needed, they needed a gross-out moment. That seemed to fit the bill. Oh, for sure. No, it, it definitely did. I think it was just a, it was a snack. It was an appetizer before yeah. the main course. That's all. So, they, he, he, actually, they, he actually says they haven't been able to eat once since they landed on this, on this planet. So that was like their first meal, which, yeah. is, which was the regurgitated brains. And then he's going to reward them with fresh local meat. Yep. What about favorite quotes? I think I just covered a couple of mine. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Because my, I'll, uh, t- I'll tell you my favorite quote is, uh, and I'm gonna say it wrong because I, I like, but when he, when he rips the spine out, that's just flailing around. Oh, yeah. Then he's dude, which is so cool. It's flailing around. Then he just steps on it and rips the head off. That seems cool. But then he kicks it out the window and he's like, still got the magic. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I laughed so hard at that. I was like, that's hilarious. That you kicked a head. They're like, yeah, I still got it. Yeah, I can, I could score a goal easy. <laughs> you know, I love that. Anybody else? Uh, the AIDS one was mine because I had to go back to it three times before I could get the joke. <laughs> I kept going back. I'm like, I know there's a joke here. I know I, there's a joke. I here. wish we'd change to... that name. Yeah. The yeah. problem, yeah, yeah. The problem with me is there's just, I feel like every line is a joke, and I can't remember any of them. Unfortunately, <laughs> but I, I I've only seen it once, and I know there's some good quotable stuff in here. So I'm unfortunately don't know. You have to pass it to Hal then to fill in the blanks. <laughs> oh, I, I, there's a lot of the lines from this film that I I've used for the last quarter century. <laughs> uh, I mean, beyond just good one and bloody oath, and but things like yeah, I just cleaned that bit. Or, <laughs> nah, headshot's the only true stopper. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were left-handed. <laughs> yep. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Switch his hands. So, so good. good. All right, guys. Uh, let's take a break. We'll be right back, and we're going to talk more about Bad Taste. I'm coming to get you, bastards. Right, guys we are back and we are with uh Stell and we are talking about bad taste peter jackson's bad taste uh one of the things i wanted to get into was the music 
Um, I actually really enjoy the music. It reminds me a lot of like the B movie, 80s horror movies that I watched um, and hearing those. It actually, the music reminds me a lot of Tom Salvini's remake of The Night of the Living Dead, which is weird because it came after this movie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was 91, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which, it, which is weird, but it, that's what the kind of the music is similar well, to. It's not that, but yeah, there like a lot of 80s. I mean, you can look at, you know, Summer Party Massacre and stuff like that, but it just always has these unknown rock bands playing like these, you know, just these like steady rock beats with like very little or minimal lyrics that's happening just to drive it. Like, well, I that, think a great movie is Sleepaway Camp 2 if you want that. That's like, you can actually do a shot game out of how many times does like speed metal start playing in the middle of that movie. Was like, it, you'll be trashed by 30 minutes in. Is Mir is like, was there music playing from start to end in this film there was i don't ever remember there being like any silence really i think that there was probably music through 90 percent of the film i think scored i think yeah yeah, yeah, sounds right again i don't the score came in from the new zealand film commission when they 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 put in some money to finish the film so michelle somebody other i can't remember a name came in and did the score but the music, it's, you know, you mentioned uh, unknown bands. That's because it's the cast. The cast were the crew and they did everything around. Oh. So Mad Light, who do the theme tune and uh, mm-hmm. and the other the other song. Uh, no, sorry. The Remnants do the theme tune. Mad Light do the other song, Rock Lies. That's Mike Minot's band. He's the leader of the Alien Investigative and Defense Service. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the, the guys who were in the cast were the crew, were the musicians, were the everything, you know, the carpenters and the, you know, you name it, they did it. That's awesome. That's insane. Do you know if, um, did he go, did Peter Jackson, like, take a lot of these guys with him when he started doing more films? Or oh, did that was people a... kind of drop off? That only, was a question Only one. Uh, you'll see the name Jamie Selkirk. I think he's the editor um, he, he's stayed with Peter Jackson throughout, so I think he's even working on a Lord of the Rings movies. Um, he followed him all the way through, but everybody else just went back to work. Hmm. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're just they're just guys. You I put th- them through four years. That was one of my that was one of my notes too. Where are they now? <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I also want to talk about is the effects of this movie, which I was shocked and shockingly surprised by. I think they're fantastic, especially the aliens when they tr- transform into their true form. Uh, you know, looking at like the cover of this movie, um, you you know what they're gonna look like, but you didn't, I didn't think they were gonna look that good, yeah. as good as they did. Yeah, like, I thought I I was really actually expecting a rubber mask. Oh yeah, that so was, was I. But like they've got shoulder, they've got like giant ass thigh bone things that stick up behind them, and the like, face moves. How did they do that? How did they make that face like f- f- just like make expressions and talking and all that? Yeah, they, uh, they, that was a fiberglass thing. You know, he's Peter Jackson's an effects guy from way back before he even made this, so he's learning all of these techniques. And that one was fiberglass with some sort of like, piano wire to, to pull the, the latex. Oh, so uh, they had like a puppeteer kind of like moving this thing? Uh, or? I presume so. Oh, yeah, there's, wow. a, there's a documentary, and anybody that watches Bad Taste, I recommend you look for Good Taste Made Bad Taste, which I think is now on YouTube, so it's easy to find. And it shows you a lot of the, the the tools that they used, the effects that they did, and and how they did them. And it's it's amazing to watch and realize this guy's a 25 year old. He doesn't have a clue how to make movies, and he's doing these amazing things, like it's nothing. Yeah, that's the, I'm gonna watch that documentary because I want to learn from what they did, basically. Yeah. 
you know, super ambitious. Because well, that's the other oh, thing. Yeah. That's the other thing too. We like me and Chris have a saying when it comes to filmmaking um, that I think this movie reigns true on more than probably any other movie that I've seen, and that is simple is good. You know what I mean? Like as far as like this movie's simple. There's not a lot of sets. It pretty much takes place in in, in a central location that that you can you that is I guess New Zealand is like what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, it almost feels empty, which the town is supposed to be. But mm-hmm. I mean, it also sets up for how the script is set up to film without having to get locations. Does that make sense? So it's like, hey, this whole first twenty minutes of the film happens on a cliff. We don't have to go get a location. We just go out to the cliff. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, much. it's, that's just, it's brilliant. It's set up to be simple. It's set up to be simple and, and, and shot that way. You could tell that there was, there's preparation in like, okay, we see the challenges ahead of us in the writing of the story. Like they didn't go, they wrote an, a sci-fi alien movie um, and they didn't go too extravagant with it. And when they did go extravagant with it, they pulled it off amazingly just by, Sure will. So, I mean... For a $25,000 movie, I think they went really extravagant. Um, they blew up a house. They blew up a car. Yeah. Like, they, 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 they had a house fly. You know, I mean, as a, as a low-budget filmmaker, those aren't things you generally expect to do no. in your low-budget film. But they also set it up in such... Like, the, the, the before all that stuff happens, it's all simple... Like, like I said, simple locations where it's not like, hey, we got to go ask... These people, can we use your supermarket? Hey, we gotta ask these people, can we, you know, use this part of your house to shoot this, or we need this and this and this. Yeah. I mean, there's some of that in there, but like, just most of the locations are like outside in a neighborhood, and they put a really good story behind just simpleness, which is hard, hard, hard it to does, do. It does make um, making it, it does make a filmmaker who who. You know, like us, like at least for me, it made made me feel like you know doing a feature as long as I was willing to put the same amount of time, maybe hopefully not four years, but it's attainable. Yeah, no, I it, don't know. I mean, like I feel like it is and it isn't. It's it's comp it's simple in story, but it's complex in design. Like the the yeah the sheer ambition of like wanting being able to pull off all of the major effects in this film and have so many minor effects that happen in between. It's like you, you almost have to keep the story simple because that's obviously not your main focus. You know, it's, it's aliens in a town that are trying to eat people and that's it. And they're like you said, keeping the location simple enabled them to make the effects grand. I agree. And it puts the focal on it. It, it, I think it puts the focal on the effects and how, uh, the movie shot also like because you t- you take these simple locations they could have shot these locations so boring yeah you know what I mean and, it, and instead I feel like they're like okay we have these locations that are, are make the most of what yeah, you got pretty simple so let's just go balls to the wall with crazy ideas in our heads of how to film this and mm-hmm. every shot is like moving in or pulling out or panning yep. or craning or you know Dutch angled like it's it's never sta- standard ever and 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 that like actually goes through to like dead alive and his later films. It's which was, is what made me think of a Sam Raimi film because that is kind of, I, I saw a similar shooting style, I guess. No, yeah. I agree. There, there, there's stuff like that when he takes off the gloves and throws them like towards the camera. I love that shot. Both of those are fantastic. So, I mean, 
that that I I uh, is inspiring. It really is. I, every time I see something like that, where I'm just like, "Damn, that's so easy," but it's not. I need to work harder. You, yeah, no, it's like you make hard look easy, so you know he's talented. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're looking at it, you're like from like a filmmaker's standpoint, you're like, "This is actually really technical and really hard to pull off." And how in the hell did they do this? It's like, a really fun textbook. It is. Because once you start realizing, you know, oh, we did this because of that, you realize that all the angles are there for a reason. You know, we move out because there's a reason. We move in because there's a reason. We look up because there's a reason. And it, it really, really works as a really fun textbook. I agree. I agree. All right, man, let's get down to the meat and potatoes. Uh, oh, wait, do we want to talk about the seagulls first? <laughs> Do you want to talk about them? It'll be a good lead into the. Uh, I, I love the system. seagulls, the, but it's. I think it's one of the worst effects. There's a couple of effects in a movie that are really bad. Um, I, we talked about one before we began, where where Derek is, uh, he's just killed one of the aliens, and he he still comes forward and hits him, and he he just screws the gun through the guy's chest. Yep. And starts killing people from there, and it, you can see the foam. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. obvious. Uh, this is foam <laughs> covered in blood. Uh, and it's really bad. And the other really bad one's the seagull. He headbutts the seagull when he gets up, and, and it's this little clockwork wooden thing with the with the feet waggling around yeah. as it dies. It's a horrible effect, but it's still so much fun. It so, is. So dead seagulls. How dead many dead seagulls? We are going to rate this in dead seagulls, everybody. Let's start with Mike. Mike, how many dead seagulls? I would give this film. I'm going to go with four dead seagulls. Wow, and, uh, that's high. I will, yeah, because here's the thing. <laughs> it, 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 it reminded me of the love that I felt when I saw Evil Dead. Like, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor, If Chins Could Kill, that book made me want to be a filmmaker. I ran straight to film school after I read that book. And it was all that do-it-yourself kind of mentality that, nah, I wouldn't say guerrilla filmmaking, but definitely, like, listen, you don't have any money, but you get as creative as you possibly can. You don't have a, a steady cam, make one out of Vaseline. Like that <laughs> <Yeah>. film, this <laughs> yeah. film had that same feeling to me. So I can't help but love it. Like, I just can't help but love it. Okay. Kyle? Um, yeah, um, I'm going to agree with what Mike said. I, I, I love I love the I, I love the film. I love the way that that it's shot. I love the crazy characters. Um, it is something I could definitely see myself watching, actually, quite a bit now. Now that I've discovered it, so um, I'm gonna also give it a four. I'm not gonna give it a five. I don't quite say it's five. Sask. I mean, realistic. Realistically, that terrible acting that's happening in the whole film. I mean, um, but. Other, other than that, for what he had and what he had to work with, Peter Jackson did a phenomenal job. So four. Okay. Four dead seagulls. Four dead seagulls. Chris, how many dead seagulls are going to flock this one? Um, I'm, I'm going to also <laughs> give it – I'm also giving it four, actually, because just as, you know, as a filmmaker, you got to respect Peter Jackson for what he's doing here. you got to respect his – like just his sheer ambition and his talents, you know, to be able to pull something like this off. It's not a perfect movie. Um, you know, some of the shots are, are, are kind of bumpy and, and out of focus. And, you know, some of the uh, effects are cheesy, but there's so many good ones to make up for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and if you love horror and you love comedy, this is definitely a film you can, you can get down with. I'm getting, giving it a four. Four dead seagulls from Chris. I'm going to go next. I'm going to give this, 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, talk my way through it. Um, so I I personally believe. Thanks for bringing up film school, Mike, because we've had this discussion before. I personally believe like this should be like on the last day of film school. We show you this movie as fucking motivation to get out there and and and, and do it because that's exactly what I got from this movie. I watched this movie and I said to myself, I could make this movie, and I didn't mean that in a disrespectful way. I meant that. This was a, a obtain. This is obtainable for anyone. Peter Jackson made it look like it was obtainable for anyone if you just put the work in. Yeah, and I think that's really what this 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 movie shows. But I also think it also shows on on, on how to film movie because that was the most impressive thing to me. It's just how this movie was shot, like, and and how to pro- progress as a as a filmmaker. Like it shows all of that. So. Um, I'm gonna agree with the room. I'm gonna give it four because I don't think again it's not it's not it's not a perfect movie. But dear God, if you're an inspiring filmmaker, please watch this movie because it will inspire you. I I, I really truly believe that. So uh, four dead seagulls uh, for me. Uh, how how many dead seagulls are you gonna give this? Oh, I get a pick. Well, it's a gimme for me. It's my favorite film of all time. No, it's not perfect. Uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned, uh, Dead Alive is is a, a much better movie, uh, technically much better acting, much better everything. But this is this is the fun one. I've seen this movie over a hundred times, so I mean it's always five dead seagulls for me. Five dead seagulls, guys. That's our show this week. Next week, what are we doing, Kyle? Oh, uh, Night of the Comet. We're gonna do Night of the Comet next week. Bitch so make sure you <laughs> <laughs> make sure you uh, tune in for that. Uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook at uh, Cult Film and Review. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Cult Film underscore Review. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Cult Film underscore Review. Uh, Mike, where can people find you at? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at, at Mike Salustio, and they can find me writing about filmmaking stuff at FriendlyNeighborhoodFilmmaking.com. All right, anybody else want to plug anything before we get to Hal? Um, I just want to plug one thing. If anybody has any suggestions for films that maybe you'd like to hear us do on the show, we'd love to hear it. We'd, uh, we, you know, we want to uh, give our listeners... Um, an opportunity to speak up and say what they would like, what films they would like to know more about or what they would like to hear us discuss. So, yeah, so please definitely. leave us a message. We don't know all the movies, so if there are some gems out there we haven't heard of, we want to watch them. Definitely. All right, Hal, where can people find you at? How can they get a hold of you if they want? How can they, uh, you know, uh, attend your, your, your short films uh, that you're showcasing? Uh, where can they do all that? Uh, easiest bet is to go to Apocalypse Later at ApocalypseLaterFilm.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm easy to find. I'm the only one named Hal Estelle, and I'm the one in the octopus goggles. So it's uh, pretty easy to find. <laughs> All right, guys. That is our show. Join us next week. Uh, thanks for listening.